0: Hello and welcome back to Hill Saturn. How's everyone doing this week? I hope we've all been having a productive September and finding ease getting back into the rhythms of school and work and whatever we have going on for the fall and winter. Summer's really over. The sun is setting lower and lower every day. It's gray and rainy outside right now, and there is a distinctive chill in the air. I've been reading this book all summer, called My Year of Rest and Relaxation, and I finally finished it last week. I'm not a slow reader, it's just that it was my pool read, and I only went to the pool a few times this summer, but this was an interesting book to read, almost exclusively outside in the sunshine in such a happy, vital, relaxed state of mind, because it's a book about a woman who's experiencing a really deep and profound depression that I find relatable, hopefully most people don't, and I think that largely this character is objectively very unlikable, whether you relate to her or not, she's very self-absorbed and selfish and conceited, without offering much to anyone else. But at the same time, I couldn't help but empathize with her. And the book gave me a lot to think about in terms of my own depression and my understanding of depressive habits and patterns of behavior and what it means to have a 12th house moon. I think this book is like the most 12th house moon book I've ever read in my life, which I'll go into. But I was thinking about the character The main character of this book who doesn't have a name so i can't call her by her name so i'll just call her the main character and she is a 26 year old woman who recently lost both of her parents and inherited all of their possessions and money and they were fairly well off so she doesn't have to worry about money but her depression is totally unchecked and eating her alive and threatening her life i think she's like passively suicidal at this time as well at the start of the book and so in her own twisted effort to avoid committing suicide she decides to lock herself in her apartment for a year and just do as many pharmaceutical psychiatric drugs as necessary to dull her mind and sleep for a year so the book exists in a very tiny landscape in new york city in this woman's upper east side apartment and then you know she makes a few trips to the corner bodega and to her therapist psychiatrist who prescribes her all these crazy drugs i won't say too much more if you care to read it it was a great read the author otessa Mushfe is a very talented writer it's not a book for everyone i think but i liked it i don't know it's like I think it's a polarizing book and so I hesitate to just recommend it freely to everyone, but yeah, I think if you are a woman who experiences depression or you know somebody like that, it might be enlightening in a way. But yeah, I finished this book last week and I was sad to see it end but also i felt like i couldn't keep reading it beyond the summer so i kind of just pushed myself to just finish it up so i can have a new book for the fall and then i couldn't help but think about what are the main characters big three you know I, i love thinking about astrology placements in terms of real people and fictional characters too in the book i don't think it tells us her exact birthday but it's like somewhere around august 12th which would make her a leo and i get really big libra rising Vibes from her, so I'll say Libra rising, ruled by Venus. She's very beautiful and easily attracts people to her and attracts interest. She also almost exclusively has one-on-one relationships in the book. So to me, I was getting strong Libra vibes from her. And then, like I said, the twelfth house moon, which would make her a Virgo moon. So that's my guess for her. My uh, you know mental portrait is a Leo sun. Libra rising 12th house Virgo moon. And the reason I feel so passionately that she is a 12th house moon and that this is a 12th house moon book, 12th house moon representation, is because her way of caring for her shattered, fragile emotional state is to disappear. Our moon speaks to what we need to feel emotionally nurtured and nourished to be able to go out into the world and respond to all of the activity and requirements and responsibility that's waiting for us out there. The moon in astrology also speaks to the condition of your physical body, your relationship with your mother, and can give you a sense of the energy of your inner world. So in the 12th house, the house of unseen realms isolation loss endings connection to collective unconscious it's a deep dark house where we are alone to face the consequences of everything that we've been through and to find ways of tying up those loose ends and creating beautiful bows or struggling with the knots that we create it is a creative house but in a way that is largely invisible to others. It's the house of imagination and the house that contains our vast inner world. So to have the moon there, it's like that's your home zone. That's where you go when it's time to rest and relax and take care of yourself how you recharge is by diving into those depths of your own psyche and reworking what you find there and so for somebody who's been through a lot like the main character of the book i read She needs a seriously empty environment with nothing demanded of her, so that she can focus wholly and entirely on her inner world. And for her, while she's not even conscious, while she's asleep, which provides us a different level of access to that world, she needs to focus wholly and entirely on that in order to be reborn and to be able to participate in life once again. And that's her whole... her whole concept is that she's going to force herself medically to sleep as much as possible for a year not participate in life and by the end of it she'll be reborn into a different life and she'll be someone new and her experiences won't have the weight that they have over her when she starts this process and that is so 12th house preparing to cycle across the ascendant and into the first house that whole process of ending the cycle before a new one begins and as a 12th house moon myself i have definitely taken some time to rest and recharge away from the world but from the other side of that being you know back in the swing of things and meeting new people and you know going out and having fun it's a lot better on the bright side so my dear 12th house people don't stay inside too long if you read this book and you relate to this girl a little too much hit me up for a read and I'll do my best to help set you right because as much as we need time to reflect and turn inward and heal through processing our internal experiences, there's also a big wide world out there that we have limited time to see and we gotta get into it. In the book, she's like letting her body rot and becoming so weak and it was like painful to read that and remember when I did the same, you know, when we were all locked up in fear for years years You know some of us succumbing to our anxieties but the cycle keeps turning you know when we're at the bottom we have to remember we're not gonna stay there it'll be our turn to come up again soon and when we're at the top and we've got the opportunity to survey far and wide and see what's out there and get the lay of the land we need to use that perspective to prepare us for when we come back down again and meet the bottom because the wheel never stops turning but yeah 12th house people remember we don't live at the bottom We are on the wheel like everyone else, the bottom is not our home, maybe it just feels a little bit deeper than the bottom feels for other people sometimes. No, but that book was crazy, I mean, and the ending. If anyone's read it and you want to talk about it, let me know. Send me a message, a DM, an email, k at metroastrology.com. Let me know if you want to discuss this book because I'll be thinking about it for a long time. Anyway, moving on. I want to talk about the 12 houses and hopefully we can maintain some order in how our discussion plays out. So as a refresher, the 12 houses make up the framework of the chart. This is the wheel itself, the pie with 12 slices, each slice representing one house, one sphere of life with jurisdiction over a certain domain that's determined by the sign and planet that naturally rule that house. We'll get into it. And you may remember if you've listened to previous episodes that different astrologers prefer different house systems. So what the houses are and the domains that they encompass are consistent across all house systems. Astrologers aren't disagreeing about what the first house means, for example. We all agree on what the first house deals with for the most part and, you know, with exceptions. Astrology is actually an interesting exception to what I'm saying where different astrologers will claim that astrology belongs in the eighth house, the ninth house, the twelfth house. I've heard all three. I personally am, and astrology belongs to the ninth house person, but that's neither here nor there. But for the most part, we agree on what the houses mean, and what we disagree on and use different house systems to account for is how to calculate mathematically where the house cusps begin and end in terms of the 360-degree zodiac map that we are overlaying on the stars overhead. So we have this 360-degree zodiac, which is fixed, and we use the houses to divide that up into 12 segments so that we can know exactly where the planets and points are placed in our chart and connect them to the areas of life that we can expect to see their impact manifested so i want to do a deep dive on the houses but before we get into each of the individual houses let's first talk about house classifications and functions so the houses are classified according to their type of activity as well as their elemental function so regarding type of activity we have angular houses succeedent houses and cadent houses so three types angular houses the first the 4th, the 7th, and the 10th are angular houses. These correspond to the cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. So these angular houses, one, four, seven, and 10, are where action is initiated in the birth chart. Having a lot of planetary energy in any of these four houses can mean that you have a lot of motivation to start things, to get the ball rolling. Now, the succeedant houses, the 2nd, 5th, 8th, and 11th correspond to the fixed signs Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. These houses represent steady, consistent action and follow through on what's been initiated or begun in the angular houses. They have a more fixed nature and like the fixed signs, want to maintain, but planets in this house have a lot of energy to maintain what they're doing for the long haul. So whereas planets in angular houses are kind of always looking to initiate progress and start something new, planets in the succedent houses are concerned with maintaining what has already been set in motion. Finally, cadent houses the third, the sixth, the ninth, and the twelfth correspond to mutable signs, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And cadent houses represent completion and distribution and adaptation of what was begun and developed in the angular and succeedant houses. So it's the completion of a process and the evolution to a new stage. If what was begun and developed is worthwhile and valuable, We'll share it with more people and distribute it more widely. And if the efforts weren't successful, the cadent houses are where those efforts will be wrapped up and adjustments and refinements will be made before the new cycle begins in the following angular house. So it's a repeating pattern, angular succeedent cadent, angular succeedent cadent, and so on, comprised of dual axes which are perpendicular to one another and the houses are also categorized according to their elemental functions so corresponding with each of the four elements and this way of dividing the houses creates elemental trinities the first of which is the trinity of life which is comprised of the first third and ninth houses which correspond to the fire signs the fire houses represent ego creativity adventurousness and the vitality and spark of life. Having many planets focused in these houses indicates that you are somebody with a lot of energy for creative expression and self-expression, a creative person with a big focus on experiencing life and channeling those experiences in a creative direction. The second elemental trinity is the trinity of wealth, comprised of the second, sixth, and tenth houses and corresponding to the earth signs. The second house rules personal resources, the sixth house work and service, and the 10th house career recognition and reputation. Having planets focused in these houses indicates that you're likely to have a high degree of financial and career success, and that you are a hard worker who is highly motivated to achieve in those areas. Next, we have the Trinity of Association. This is made up of the 3rd house, 7th house, and 11th house, which deal with our relationships and social connections. The 3rd house is our close friends and siblings the seventh are romantic and business partners and the eleventh house are friendships and group associations people who have a lot of planets in these houses have a high social battery as well as high social needs they dislike being alone, they're more productive when they're able to interact with others on a regular basis they're natural collaborators and connectors and then lastly we have the trinity of endings which is associated with water signs and the 4th, 8th and 12th houses these are the houses of emotional and psychic activity having a lot of energy in these houses can indicate intuitive or psychic ability as well as compassion empathy and a desire to understand the deeper layers of life so that's another layer of information that's maybe not immediately visible looking at the chart but that can tell you a lot about your personality and how your life will play out is how are your placements kind of broken up into these different categories are you an angular person are you a succeedant person, are you cadent, a lot of us know our signs, and I think it's helpful actually that the patterns echo each other, and kind of speak to similar themes, because you can see, you know, maybe you're a person with a lot of cardinal placements, a lot of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn energy, but you're a fixed sign rising, so you have a lot of your cardinal placements in Cadent houses, you know, and so that brings kind of a dynamism and a nuance into the picture. You know, how are your cardinal placements? What have they been tasked to do in your life? What trinity are they participating in? And what mode of action are they concerned with? You know, I think I'm going to read from a great beginner's textbook I have called Llewellyn's Complete Book of Astrology. Llewellyn is a great resource, I love their calendar, and they make really clear, concise books that take you through all of the different components of the chart and give a good amount of detail, but not so much that you get lost. It's like, it's really a great textbook and a great resource to turn to if you ever are confused about something or just want to kind of read an essential description about something they have a lot of astrology books and resources including calendars, definitely a source that i recommend for beginners. it's not like high level stuff, but it's like everything that you need to get started analyzing your chart and placements. so about the first house, they say the first house represents you, your personal ambition and drive, your body and the face you present to the world, The ascendant, the cusp of the first house, is a strong personality influence along with the sun and the moon. The ascendant or rising sign reflects your general temperament, likes and dislikes, personality traits, appearance, mannerisms and how you project your personality. In a sense, the rest of your chart is filtered through the ascendant. The second house reflects your materialistic attitude, income, money, spending habits, and whether you're a giver, a receiver, generous, or stingy. It also represents your overall financial attitudes, including those towards debt, budgeting, savings, and investments. The second house indicates whether you're thrifty, extravagant, or somewhere in between possessions, and earning potential are also ruled by this house. The third house governs all forms of communication, including mail, blogs, calls, speaking, writing, and conversation. It's also the house of learning and describes your learning style and study habits, as well as your thinking process. Cars, errands, contracts, bicycling, skating, walking, and weekend trips are associated with the third house. This first quadrant is the most personal quadrant of your chart. These three houses deal with your personality your possessions and earning potential, as well as your patterns of communication and analysis, and the people who are around you, who shape you as you're growing up and developing, your neighborhood, your community, your family other than your parents. This is the quadrant where the journey begins, If you have a lot of your energy focused in this area, it means that your personal development is something that's at the forefront, really important to your soul journey. So I want to go into a little bit more detail on each of these houses, particularly the first because the rising is so important. The first house is an angular fire house associated with the cardinal fire sign Aries, that's the natural ruler of the first house. Natural rulers are usually not the rulers of the houses in our own personal charts, but there is enough overlap between the qualities and the natural domains of rulership that it's worth noting to help you build that mental bank to associate the houses with their natural sign rulers and planetary rulers. So for the first house, that's Aries and Mars, angular fire, concerned with initiating life. It's a creative house, part of the trinity of life. This house acts as a transmission point for the rest of our chart. So our entire chart gets filtered through our rising and what we find in our first house. Your rising deals with your personality expression and attitude towards life and also informs your physical body and appearance. We call it the lens through which you view the world, the energy that you meet the world with how you're perceived by others, particularly when it comes to first impressions, but also just sort of in an immediate sense, what's the first thing that people notice about you. The first house deals with your personal ambition and drive, your body, your face, and what you look like, how you project your personality, what your mannerisms are, your general temperament, and yeah, like I said, is sort of the portal through which the rest of your chart is refracted into the world. First house people, if you have a lot of planets in the first house, you might have a lot to say. You might have a complicated personality that needs to be expressed, you know, that we can all learn from or benefit somehow by watching you tell us what it's like to be you. First house people are very expressive and whatever planets are found in the first house are going to be qualities that a person wears on their sleeve. The first house is the most visible house to others, but really it's a house that's all about you if you have your north note in the first house it means that you're required to focus on learning about yourself your own needs and who you are on an individual level your relationships with others must remain secondary to your relationship with yourself north note in the first south note in the seventh suggests that in past lives you prioritized your partner's needs and sacrificed for the benefit of your relationships This time around, your life is about learning to choose yourself first, to get to know and honor yourself as an independent entity separate from those closest to you, and express your needs and your will in a way that is genuine and authentic to your spirit. Self-knowledge and self-expression is likely to be an area of life that you're not fully comfortable with or adept in yet but it's what you're meant to focus on and gain mastery of over the course of your lifetime. That's just for people with the North Node in the first house, as the North Node is like a destiny point and represents the directionality of your soul work and karmic calling. We will definitely come back to that point and discuss it more, but for now I just wanted to make a note. And maybe I'll do that for all of the houses actually, just kind of talk about what it means for you if your north node is in each house, because if we're discussing the major themes, that's kind of where you'll find the meat of like your sole purpose. And just so you can find your north node in your chart, it's the thing that looks like a little horseshoe, a little upside down horseshoe. Maybe it has a T inside of it for true node. And then exactly 180 degrees opposite from that, you'll find the south node, which looks like a little right side up horseshoe, the, you know, opening towards the top. The south node represents energy that you've mastered in previous lifetimes. That's like a comfort zone for you that you're meant to move away from in the direction of your north node. So they form an axis together, that's one of the key axes in your chart that tells you what your soul came here to experience and work on. Right, so right back into it. First house, house of self. The second house is succeedent earth, part of the trinity of wealth associated with Taurus and Venus and concerned with maintaining material resources. This is the house that rules our income, our finances, what we possess, what we own. It also governs what we value highly and informs our sense of self-worth. Looking at the ruler and the planets placed in this house, you can gain information about your overall earning potential, any financial challenges that you may have, or energetic imbalances that impact your ability to earn money, as well as information on the qualities within yourself that have value that you can use to increase your financial stability and maintain access to the resources that you want and need. Having a strong planetary emphasis on this house or having your north node in the second house indicates that you'll have a strong focus in your life on generating resources. You will likely have a high desire for financial independence and financial stability and put a lot of your focus into that area of life and that finding ways to provide for yourself and your family and those dependent on you will likely contribute to having a higher sense of personal value and self-esteem although your self-worth should definitely not exclusively be determined by your income level or income potentials there's definitely a correlation that we find in the second house with being self-sufficient and in control of your own resources and to be able to navigate your life from a perspective of a high self-worth, valuing yourself, your time, your skills, and making the most of that, engaging in the commercial side of life in a way that honors your identity, and your talents, and your spirit, and finding ways to live your life sustainably. If you have your North Node in this house, it means that you are meant to become a resource unto yourself, and that focusing on finding ways to provide for yourself and live in a way that is true to your values and gives you a high sense of self-esteem, a life that you're proud of, that that is of the utmost importance to your soul purpose the energies of this house the sign on the cusp the planetary ruler and any planets that are placed within the house can tell you about your fortune in this realm of life any blessings or challenges that you have to overcome or to make the most of and transits to this house can indicate boons or losses financially periods of heightened self-worth and also periods where your self-worth is challenged very important house The second house, its traditional ruler, is Taurus, and therefore Venus. Venus, of course, having to do with love, affection, money. So we can already see the connections, the patterns, the archetypes that loom over these houses and determine what exactly falls within the jurisdiction of each house and who will govern over it. And then, of course, all of these get scrambled up in our own charts, and we're tasked with the karma of working out our lives with debilitated or exalted rulers of various domains some of us more astrologically gifted than others you know but we amor fati love our fate you know it's funny it's like you think about the natural rulers and how everything makes sense with the wheel you know if mars governed the first house venus governed the second house mercury governed the third how easy life would be you know if all of our planets were well placed and auspicious and interacting with each other in a functional way but that's generally not how it is for most people except the Few that are especially astrologically blessed. But we can see in the chart through the sort of scramble of all of these planets mixing up and, you know, living in places that they don't belong and governing areas of life that they don't have expertise in. We can start to get information about our spiritual karma and the lessons that we're meant to learn and the efforts that we're meant to prioritize in this lifetime. And what we end up with is a fascinating karmic mirror of our own struggles and gifts And when you look at it honestly and plainly and have the experience of saying, yeah, that's me, it's scrambled up, it's not an ideal situation, but that's what I'm working with. And you start to work with it, that's where the magic happens. So in getting to know astrology and charts as they are conceptualized and theorized and taught, and then seeing the reality of the charts that individual humans are working with, you can cultivate some empathy and understanding for all of the different ways of being and doing and seeing things there are in life and how each unique perspective comes with its own slew of consequences and maybe some blessings thrown in and you can start to love and be grateful for your own fate and what you've been tasked with dealing with and what you've been blessed with experiencing and just really have respect for the journey that you're on. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the shallowness of modern existence. We're not encouraged to think deeply about why we're here or what we're doing or our own spiritual experience. But there's so much in that area for all of us because that is why we're here. So it's funny to me that spirituality is often what's thrown by the wayside as people focus on material requirements for success in life. And understandably so that's the society we live in. I'm not trying to say I don't get why people prioritize what they do. But at the same time, it feels like work culture has become so extreme, so all-encompassing. Hustle culture, side hustles, every hobby needs to be monetized to the fullest extent. There's no time for things like diving into your own psychic, spiritual experience, healing your traumas, and getting to know God, getting to know yourself, and getting in touch with your deeper purpose let alone acting on it you know so it's like I do think that the birth chart and spending time with your own birth chart can be like a safe grounding space to think about those things and to give yourself an opportunity to make a plan and schedule in some opportunity to do the spiritual work that you incarnated on earth to do I guess in my mind that would be like the best possible use of astrology and I know that's often not what it is it's like people wanting to know what their future holds and who they're compatible with and you know maybe just have parts of themselves acknowledged and seen by someone when you know so much of ourselves gets hidden it's good to get in touch with yourself and to not let all your time fly by fly out of your hands before you figure out how to become a version of yourself that's really conscious and really experiencing what life on earth actually is. And on to the third house. The third house is cadent air, naturally ruled by Mercury and Gemini, part of the Trinity of Associations. So it's a social house that has to do with our siblings, neighbors, our close community, as well as with thinking and the mind, writing, and overall building up our skills. The 3rd house is about learning and communicating with those around you and trading information and skills and yeah it's all about like the transmission of information and energies in like a local community building kind of a way so like to list off a bunch of 3rd house topics it's like short journeys and transportation mail thinking communicating writing learning studying it's like exploring and investigating and getting to know what is locally around you to enrich your life experience and to be able to collaborate and build and you know participate in bettering your community with the people around you through collaboration the sign and planet which rule this house and any planets inside of it can give you a sense of the energy that you have at your disposal to work with in this area having a lot of planets in this house can indicate that you're so somebody who is meant to write, or someone for whom sibling and maybe childhood friend relationships have really important significance, somebody who has a really active mental facility and who thinks a lot and so would benefit from having a writing practice in order to get those thoughts out of your head so that you have more space mentally to attend to everything else. If you have your north node in the third house, it suggests that you are meant to focus on honing your communication skills so that you can effectively collaborate with the people around you and build up and strengthen your community. You don't have to look so far from home to find your destiny and purpose. It's going to be the people in your close community, maybe the people you've grown up with or the people in your neighborhood where you live, but your life is going to be about staying local and using your intellectual gifts and gifts of communication maybe these are gifts that you were born with maybe they're gifts that you develop over the course of your life but using those to bolster the community that you're a part of the third house is a really sweet house with a lot of camaraderie and if you're a third house person with your north note there or a lot of planets there writing is going to be really really important for you definitely recommend you have a journaling practice of some kind or at least do like the morning pages Because expressing yourself verbally is going to be really key. We are going to pick back up with this next week and talk about more of the houses, maybe three more, maybe more than that. We'll see how many we can get through. But until then, I want to leave you guys with a quote from my favorite director, David Lynch, from his book, Catching the Big Fish, Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity. This quote has big 12th house energy and I think is also a nice metaphor to think about when we're initiating, developing, and expanding our understanding of astrology. This chapter is called Consciousness. Little fish swim on the surface, but the big ones swim down below. If you can expand the container you're fishing in, your consciousness, you can catch bigger fish. Here's how it works. Inside every human being is an ocean of pure, vibrant consciousness. When you transcend in meditation, you dive down into that ocean of pure consciousness. You splash into it and it's bliss. You can vibrate with this bliss. Experiencing pure consciousness enlivens it, expands it. It starts to unfold and grow. If you have a golf ball sized consciousness, when you read a book, you'll have a golf ball sized understanding. When you look out a window, a golf ball sized awareness. When you wake up in the morning, a golf ball sized wakefulness. And as you go about your day, a golf ball-sized inner happiness. But if you can expand that consciousness, make it grow, then when you read that book, you'll have more understanding. When you look out, more awareness. When you wake up, more wakefulness. And as you go about your day, more inner happiness. You can catch ideas at a deeper level. And creativity really flows. It makes life more like a fantastic game. As always, thank you so much for listening book a reading with me on my website metro astrology and use code hail saturn for 50% off any reading i would love to read for anybody who's listening to this podcast so please book and i really look forward to discussing your chart with you I'm currently offering 15-minute mini readings, 30-minute introductory readings, or one-hour in-depth birth chart readings, so whatever your level of curiosity, I have something for you, and definitely remember to use code Saturn to get 50% off and to let me know that you're listening to this podcast, and until next time, as always, be well, and I'll talk to you soon.